Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gunty of the Catholic Review. Today on Catholic Baltimore, we're talking with Jerry Burkhart, director of the Archdiocese's Archdiocese of Baltimore's Office of Child and Youth Protection. Our topic today is the 15th anniversary of the U.S. Bishop's Charter for the Protection of Children and Young People, which was adopted by the bishops at a meeting in Dallas in the summer of 2002. Jerry Burkhart has worked in the court systems in New York City and Allen County, Indiana, with victims of abuse and their families, as well as with adult survivors of, of abuse. At various times, she has been a stay-at-home mom, while working with a recruiting and staffing specialist. Jerry is a catechist and she takes communion to the, to the homebound. She grew up in the Archdiocese of Chicago where she graduated from Catholic schools. Hey, me too. And, hey. and in uh, 2008, Jerry was hired as Associate Director of the Office of Children and Youth Protection here in the Archdiocese. She took up the position as Director of that office earlier this year. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Great. Well, first of all, can you explain to us what the charter is and how it came about? Sure. So as you might remember, in 2002, the Catholic bishops found themselves in an unprecedented situation. They realized that the church was in crisis, that people um, were really hurting because not only of um, that there had been uh, children and young people who were victims of clergy abuse, uh, sexual abuse by some priests and deacons, um, but that also the church's response um, was harmful to people. Mm -hmm. And so the bishops really wanted to um, reconcile that situation to restore the trust of the faithful. So they they, um, met and they knew, I think, that acknowledging wrongs of the past and apologizing for them um, was not enough. They actually had to take action and so they gave us this charter that sets up guidelines for dioceses to make sure that we are restoring the trust of the faithful and that we are protecting children today. And the guidelines include um, really um, promoting healing and reconciliation with victims and survivors of sexual abuse, guaranteeing an effective response to the abuse, um, and an accountability, of course, is a very important part of that. So we are audited every year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the process of preparing for this year, this year's audit right now. Um, and then um, making sure, like I said, that we are protecting the faithful today, that our children are in um, schools and churches that are safe and characterized by healthy relationships. That's great. So really that charter is about dealing with allegations of child sexual abuse that come to the attention of the archdiocese, but also ensuring that they're really, that this doesn't happen again, that we, we try to make sure that that doesn't happen anymore in the future. I, I think that's admirable from that perspective. Right, and they, the charter really has, um, informed the policies of the archdiocese so Mm -hmm. our our own policies now are based on the charter yeah in september of 2002 cardinal keeler published in the catholic review an extensive list of clergy who had been 
credibly accused of sexual misconduct or child sexual abuse. What was the significance of that publication? Well, again, accountability is very important. So it's remaining accountable to the faithful, restoring the trust of the faithful by being transparent about those who have been credibly, who had been credibly accused in their lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, I, I've heard from people who said, who have said, "Gosh, it was incredibly important to me as a survivor to see the perpetrator's name on that list." Mm-hmm. I know that I was heard. I know somebody listened to me and you know listened to me and heard me and believed me. Um, so that's very important. But the other thing is that um, that list is updated. And so that it's a way for us to make sure that we're reaching out to victims who haven't come forward mm-hmm. so that people, you know, will um, be encouraged always to come forward. That's one of the things that we always want to do. Yeah. And Cardinal Keeler was one of the first to, to publish such a list. Isn't that correct? Yes. I mean, it was really a watershed moment in the in the United States when he published that list. And it, um, as you said, at the top of, the, of our of our discussion that I started in 2008, and that was one of the things that coming in here I knew about because mm-hmm. I had been a parishioner in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Um, and I mean, it, it, it makes our job a lot easier because we have clear guidelines about how we handle these things. That's great. I, I understand that more than 290,000 people, almost 300,000 people, have undergone child protection training since the charter was implemented in 2002. What's the extent of the training that employees and volunteers undergo? So the um, training is done every five years. It's for all employees and volunteers who work with children. Um, It's training that um, helps people understand our policies just in general in the archdiocese that apply to all personnel in the archdiocese, including volunteers. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it also um, talks about, um, helps people identify identify signs of child abuse. It gives them information about how to report child abuse according to Maryland law, which is very important. We follow um, Maryland reporting requirements. Um, And then um, it also helps people understand um, the importance of establishing appropriate boundaries with children. And experts in the field know that adults and children having and maintaining appropriate boundaries in their relationships is one of the key ways to prevent child abuse. Uh, The other thing that I should note is that children in the archdiocese starting in kindergarten in Catholic schools and in faith formation programs um, in in the archdiocese of Baltimore, kindergarten through 12th grade, receive age-appropriate training in religion class um, Mm -hmm. that has to do with, again, identifying signs of abuse, knowing how to report abuse, and then um, helping children understand appropriate boundaries so that they know how to be safe, not only when they're at our schools and parishes, but when they're on the soccer field, when they're in public school, wherever they might be. So Mm -hmm. it helps keep the whole community safer. And they can then watch out not only for themselves, but also for their friends. If they see some of these indicators that are done in the training, that that there might be some kind of abuse going on, that helps them maybe talk to their friend and say, hey, are you okay? Right. And you would be surprised how, how courageous young people are when they see, gosh, that, you know, coach or teacher or, you know, next door neighbor 
is communicating with my friend, say on social media in a way that is not appropriate or whatever. They, children are very, um, very courageous in coming forward. I mean, I think it's part of the way they've been educated. You know, today it's just a different, mm-hmm. a different way we, we help kids um, be safe. So That's great. Are priests, deacons, and seminarian and religious also included in this kind of training that you're talking about? Yes, it's a, it's a requirement for them as well. Even people who are coming from outside of the archdiocese, um, say a visiting a visiting priest, mm-hmm. um, are there priest, deacon, religious? They are all also required to do to participate in our training. Or if a priest is coming from another diocese, it's required that they have certification from their home diocese that they've gone through such training, right? Well, so what they'll do is they they have to have faculties in the Archdiocese of Baltimore in order to serve as a priest in the Archdiocese. Mm -hmm. Um, They actually must participate in our training. Okay. So um, that varies from diocese to diocese. In our archdiocese, we require them to actually participate in our training because we want them to be familiar, for instance, with Maryland reporting requirements. That's an important part. Yes. And this, I assume, is part of seminary seminary training as well, seminary screening for seminarians and and their training. Yes. Yes, it is. And I should say also that um, you mentioned the 290,000 people have Mm -hmm. been trained. Screening of volunteers and employees is also, including, when I say employees, church personnel. So that Mm -hmm. would include clergy and religious. Doing a criminal history screening on any adults who would be working with children, whether they're employees, clergy, religious, or volunteers, is an important part of keeping children safe in the archdiocese. I mean, I've been employed by the archdiocese at Catholic Review for nine years now, so I've gone through the training twice because, as you say, we have to renew that every five years. So it's important, you know, that we all go through that. Right. Right. Um, Well, after the break, we're going to talk some more with Jerry Burkhardt about the Archdiocese of Baltimore's efforts to protect children and youth. This is Chris Gunty, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. Catholic news from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. Catholics across Russia are celebrating the 100th anniversary of the 1917 apparitions of Mary to shepherd children in Fatima, Portugal. According to one of the children, Sister Lucia dos Santos, Mary asked for a special consecration of Russia to prevent the country from disseminating its errors throughout the world, a phrase now retired Pope Benedict XVI interpreted as referring to communism. Mary promised that Russia would be converted if her request was heeded, and Catholic Archbishop Paola Pesi of Moscow told Catholic News Service he had witnessed this conversion in his lifetime. I thank our God that I became one of the witnesses of the return of Russia to Christ, he told Catholic News Service, but we should not interpret Our Lady of Fatima as foretelling Russia's conversion to Catholicism. Mary still calls Russia to convert to Christ, but she did not say what form this conversion should take, the Archbishop said. Though Russia has no official state religion, the majority of Russians identify with Eastern Orthodoxy, a branch of Christianity that has not been in communion with Rome for nearly a thousand years. According to a recent study from the U.S.-based Pew Research Center, less than 1% of the Russian population identifies itself as Catholic. Of the estimated 250,000 Catholics registered in the Archdiocese of Moscow, the Archbishop said probably only 10 to 20% are actively practicing the faith. For more on this story, visit catholicreview.org. 
The October issue of the Catholic Review magazine will be arriving in homes across the Archdiocese of Baltimore at the end of September. Look for a special section called Positively Catholic that highlights the many ways Catholics have an impact throughout the area. Read the electronic edition of the newspaper online at catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is George Matasek. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. The season of sacraments is nearly here. First Holy Communion, Confirmation, and Weddings. Visit the Baltimore Basilica, America's first cathedral, and stop by the gift shop for all of your gift needs. From beautiful frames to crucifixes and crosses, statues and one-of-a-kind rosaries, the Basilica gift shop has it all. Friendly, knowledgeable staff members can help you select the perfect gift. Also available, Baltimore's very own Mouth Party Caramels, locally designed hand-painted signs and jewelry, plus gifts for Easter as well as an extensive line of St. Patrick's Day items sure to bring out the Irish and everyone. Visit the Basilica Gift Shop at 409 Cathedral Street in Baltimore or call 410-727-3565 for hours and directions. Free street parking available directly in front of the Basilica between 9.30 and 4 p.m. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. We're back on Catholic Baltimore and we're talking with Jerry Burkhart, director of the Archdiocese of Baltimore's Office for Child and Youth Protection. Our timely topic is the 15th anniversary of the U.S. Bishop's landmark Charter for the Protection of Children and Young People. Jerry, if a person believes he or she was subject to child sexual abuse or misconduct by a member of the clergy or somebody associated with the church, an employee, a volunteer, somebody like that, or if they suspect somebody else has been, what do they do? Well, first of all, we encourage everyone um, with information like that to report it to the information to civil authorities. So mm -hmm. that would either be to the police or to Child Protective Services mm -hmm. um, in the location where the abuse occurred, so okay. the county where it occurred. Right. Um, and we also would request that those people give us a call. So they may reach the Office of Child and Youth Protection directly at 410-547-5348, or we have a victim's assistance line that is monitored by a social worker. Um, she, uh, who specializes in dealing with trauma, she may be reached at 866-417-7469. All right, I'm going to ask you to give us those numbers later, right at the end, so if people want to get write those numbers down, they might want to get a pen while they're 
while they're listening and be ready to, to write those down again at the end. Okay, and all of that information is also at, on our website. Excellent, excellent. So once that happens, are all allegations that the archdiocese hears about, are all of those reported to police or civil authorities? Yes, Chris, they are. Our policy is very clear on that. Under Maryland law, any person who has reason to believe that a child has been subjected to abuse, including sexual abuse or neglect, must make a report to local, the local office of the Department of Social Services, Child Protective Services, or law enforcement as soon as possible. And our policy really just supports and mirrors that statute. Um, what also, um, our policy covers um, knowledge of an incident involving the production or possession or distribution or receipt of child pornography. Um, those allegations must also be um, reported to law enforcement as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And then what does the archdiocese do with information when that comes in? Is there an investigation that goes on and how does that work? So first we, um, we are by policy um, committed to not interfering at all with the investigation that the police might be conducting. Okay. So first we let civil authorities go ahead and do any investigation that they might do. And understanding that sometimes that might delay our own investigation, but knowing that um, their determination about the credibility of an allegation might help inform our own. I mean, they have resources that we don't have mm -hmm. as, as the police. Um, and then um, once they're they're com they give us the go-ahead and they're comfortable with our investigating um, it is the office of the child and youth protection uh, I um, actually had a group that um, that will investigate by talking to people who might have information um, certainly if the victim is an adult we would talk to the victim if the victim is a child we would talk to uh, parents or talk to the child with with parents present or with mm -hmm. the consent of the parents but usually we would deal mainly with parents in those situations and talk to anybody who might have information to help us assess credibility and then a very important part of our determination is presenting the information that we find in investigation to our independent review board they're critical in helping us assess credibility what kind of people are on that review board? So the in, the review board is composed of at least five people. A majority of them are lay people, and it's actually an interfaith group. So we have folks on that that uh, board who are not Catholic, mm -hmm. not even Christian, um, and they it's an interdisciplinary group. So it is um, comprised of uh, some. Uh, retired judges. We have had retired chiefs of police mm -hmm. uh, who sit on that board. Uh, also, I mean, being in Baltimore, we have access to some amazing healthcare professionals. So we have had um, world-renowned psychiatrists, uh, doctors, social workers, people from our universities who are professors of, of education, social work, um, and other community leaders. So they bring a great variety and depth of um, expertise. Um, it's kind of an intimidating group of people, but people I really have come to respect and rely on for really good advice. 
And they help with not only reviewing these individual allegations that, you, that you're bringing to them, but they also help shape the policy in the future. If the policy needs to be amended in any way, they help, help do that too, right? They're, they um, provide us with feedback about our policy and also make sure, I mean, it's easy to have a policy. Right. They make sure that we actually live up to our policy. So they help um, check us to make sure, they check all the work that we do really to make sure that we're living up to the promises of our policy and of the charter. So that's a little bit more of the accountability you've been talking about that uh, we try to make sure that, that the Archdiocese is, is forthcoming as much as possible with all this information, right? Yes, yes. Keeping in mind that we, we always have to be mindful of the privacy of victims, certainly, and um, of people who might have information, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to encourage people to share information. We want to just be sensitive to their privacy and respectful of those who are accused. Mm-hmm. What does the Archdiocese offer to somebody who has been abused or uh, that has experienced some misconduct? So... Um, People who have, who um, have, are victims or survivors of abuse, um, when the perpetrators, church personnel, are offered first and foremost, um, you know, we listen to what they have to say and le- try to learn from their experience, um, and offer an apology to them in person and in writing. They are also offered the opportunity to meet with the archbishop, um, so that they can tell him about their experience, and so mm-hmm. that he might share with them um, on behalf of the church a sincere apology in person. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, we offer them so pastoral support and um, counseling assistance. So we would pay for counseling for a survivor. Um, They choose the the survivors are, um, choose the the therapists or counselors of their choice. We don't say, oh, you have to go see this professional. Mm -hmm. They actually choose the people that they find um, to be most helpful with their healing, and then we pay for that. Mm -hmm. And without violating any confidences, what's been your experience of meeting with survivors of abuse? Well, you're right. They are very personal experiences, and so they really vary um, depending on where where the um, survivor is on their healing, their journey to healing. Um, and the, the meetings are um, led by the person who is meeting with the bishop, so, or the archbishop. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I can tell you that I have witnessed and experienced great grace-filled moments of healing um, and opportunities for reconciliation. Um, and that um, that I've, I, it's even difficult for me to talk about because it, it's, it's so, um, I've witnessed great courage in the, in the, the survivor or the victim and great humility on the part of the archbishop. And, um, it's, it's been very humbling to be part of that. And I think that, um, you know, I know that we offer this uh, for the survivor, but I always want the survivors to understand that their courage is really helping make the church stronger. And it's te- I learn something every time I participate in a meeting like that. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Before we go, can you give the no- contact numbers again for your office, for the hotline, and, uh, and ways people can find this info on the website? So... Um, all of this information is available on our on the website, www.archbalt.org. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and if there is uh, if somebody has been harmed by church personnel we of course encourage them to contact civil authorities in the county where the abuse occurred so that would be child protective services or the police um, but they should also contact our office if they've been harmed by church personnel the office of child and youth protection at 410-547-5348 or our victims assistance line which is 866-417-7469. Thanks. We've been talking today with Jerry Burkhart, Director of the Archdiocese of Baltimore's Office of Child and Youth Protection. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for speaking with me today, Chris. This is Christopher Gunty of the Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore. Fifteen years after the Catholic bishops of the United States drafted mandatory policies for protecting children and holding abusers accountable in the Catholic Church, the Archdiocese of Baltimore is conducting a prayer and education campaign this fall. It will remind its institutions and its people of the priority and importance of child protection. For more information about this initiative and about the Archdiocese efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.